You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day that you have given to us. We thank you for your word that promises to guide us and help us. Father, we thank you so much for those that are gathered here today. Lord, may your word do its work by the power of your spirit to conform us to your image um, so that we may be pleasing to you in your sight. Lord, help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's just the big point this morning. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, and then we can kind of unpack it from the text. The point this morning is this. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to be clear about what that means. Okay? If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to be clear about what that means. And it means that we're going to see this morning that Jesus is worth the suffering and worth the place of ultimate importance. We have to have clarity, and Jesus wants us to see this morning that he's worth the suffering in following him, and he's worth the place of ultimate importance in our lives. Look at verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Now, we're going to stop here and just kind of do a little bit of an excursus. Um, that's not really the point of the text, but I think it's very important for us to notice this seemingly kind of a unimportant verse, verse 18. But I think it's, there's a lot of importance sometimes if we stop and think about it in what seemingly at first blush seems unimportant. A lot of us would expect verse 18 to say something like this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he stopped everything and spent all night healing them. Because that's what we just saw in the last few weeks in verse or in chapter 8, right? But that's not what this says, is it? It says, when he saw the crowds, he says, guys, we got to get out of here. We're going to get in a boat, and we're going to go across to the other side of the lake. We're, we're, we're not going to stay here with these crowds. But, like, Jesus, don't you want to heal everybody? And Jesus was God. It's just kind of basic Christianity 101, that the... the the, like, flowery uh, theological term is the hyp- hypostatic union. That's something you learn in seminary. But you don't need to remember that. I'm just, I, don't need, I'm, I don't know why I even said that. But I'm probably trying to show off, okay? So it's not that big of a deal, okay? But if you ever hear that hypostatic union, what that means is this. You'll probably never hear it. But if you do, it means this. Jesus was fully God and fully man, Okay? Jesus was fully God and fully man. So the last three weeks, we've seen Jesus' power on display as fully God. He healed the leper. He healed the the servant of the centurion. He healed Peter's mother-in-law with a a 
life-threatening fever, right? Jesus' power as God on display. But here in verse 18, we see he's fully human. He's fully human. Well, why would I say that? Well, what we're going to see in the next text is that Jesus is tired. That's, if you just glance down, starting in verse 23, it's the account of Jesus calming the storm. Before he calms the storm, he's asleep. He's asleep in a boat, and there's a storm raging around the boat, so much so that the disciples think they're going to die, and he's asleep. He was tired. Jesus was tired. He's fully human. He experienced tiredness just like us. You know how you get so tired sometimes when, like, you wake up, you don't even know where you are? Like, you've been sleeping that hard? You know, Jesus probably had that. So Jesus is fully human as well. He didn't have the ability in his humanity to spend every waking hour healing people. So they needed to get away. They needed to get away. So real quick, I just want to say this publicly. And for a lot of you, you don't struggle with, but a lot of you do struggle with this. Like, it's okay to rest. It's okay to pursue rest. If Jesus needed rest, if Jesus needed to pull away, pull away from ministry, pull away from really good things for a, a season, then you probably do too. How much more do, do we need that? Right? Like some of us, not all of us, but a lot of us kind of carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. And maybe it's in your city group and the problems that are there and the burdens of people, or maybe it's in your job or, or maybe it's in your family, and just everything just weighs on you heavy because you feel like you need to solve it all. And real clear, like, you're not God. Only he can solve it all, ultimately. You're just called to be faithful. And without rest, you're eventually going to burn out, and then you're not going to have a lifelong track record of faithfulness. So I just want us to see this morning, if Jesus needed rest, if Jesus needed to take a nap, it's okay for you to take a nap. Now, I said this in the first service because um, most of our young families go to the first service, but there are some faces here and some faces in the future that will probably have kids. Now, in the first service, I had about 40 young moms looking at me, and they talking about rest. Oh, nice for you to say rest. Like, you've got kids that love to stay in bed, right? We're at that stage now where we have to pull our kids out of bed, you know what I mean? And, you know, you're a young mom, and your kids don't stay in bed, and, you know, Lacey, she's with me. Uh, you know, like, it's hard. So easy for me to say, you just need to pursue some rest. Listen, there, there, there is seasons of life for everything where you, sometimes you just have to gut it out, right? And sometimes when you have a, a toddler and a newborn, like, it's just a season of sometimes gutting it out. Um, you, you'll experience this at work sometimes. You know, maybe you'll experience this in other areas of your life. But I just want to commend the principle to you for your creative reflection in terms of application. Maybe dads need to say, hey, babe, you don't have to be a super mom. We're going to pay for someone to give you a break, bring someone in the home, or, or whatever. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you one example of creativity. But rest is really important. Jesus needed rest. We do too. Don't miss that. Don't miss that, okay? So let's keep reading. Before they got to get in the boat and have some rest time, verse 19 happens. Look at verse 19. And a scribe came up and said to him, 
teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So this first guy is really eager. You hear that? Jesus, I'm game for whatever. I'm game for whatever, Jesus. I will follow you wherever you go. So I want us to think about this. Have you ever been in a situation where you were super eager to do something, super eager to sign up, but you didn't really know what you were signing up for? Does that relate at all? A lot of you have heard me talk about this. A lot of you are new. You haven't heard me talk about this. So about five, six years ago, my kids were begging me to build them a treehouse. And they grossly overestimated my skills in construction, and they just assumed that I can do whatever. Um, and so we had a neighbor that, that didn't really help the situation. He's an architect, and he heard that we were into this, and he's very optimistic and loved to, like, help people undertake projects. So he comes over with, like, full-on, like, perfect professional architectural plans for this, you know, elaborate treehouse. And he's like, man, and I'm just like, dude, there's no way I can do this. Like, I don't, I mean, I barely built a, like a, a box at this point. And this is this whole deal with like roof siding and platform and French doors. And I mean, it's like the, like basically it's like a little cabin tucked into a, a tree. And, um, and so we undertook this project and my wife helped a lot, and my oldest son helped a lot, and it was a lot of work. And we got to, toward the end, you know, it was literally like every waking moment for about two months was dedicated to getting this thing built. And there was a point, you know, at the end where, you know, you're just so ready to be done. And it's like the project is just, you know, if any, any of you like remodeled something or whatever, you know, you're just ready to be done. So this is just a grind. I'm sick of it. And I was at that stage and like building a railing for the, for these, for this uh, stairway and it had some clamps and clamping this board on, didn't clamp it correctly. And the clamp like flew off and hit me in the face. And I just like raged. I was so tired of being done or not being done with this treehouse. And the neighbors are outside and they're like, Zach, are you okay? And like, I'm thinking that I ruined my witness. And like, it was, I mean, I was just so ready to be done. And I always say with that project that I was glad that I did it, but had I known what I was getting into, I probably would have never started, right? A lot of us here are from the Midwest, I would imagine. Has anybody ever heard of detasseling? Anybody know what that is? Wow, the first service was filled with country people, but uh, farm people. So, I, yeah, I grew up in Iowa, and um, there's this thing I'll fill you in for those that are not educated. Uh, there, I mean, I'm, if Rob Stanky was here, he could explain it. He's our resident PhD in, in plant genetics. But it's something with corn, male rows, female rows, they pollinate one another. I don't understand all that. All I knew was that when I was 15 that they would pay me the whole $7 an hour to spend three weeks hell on earth in a cornfield. And you have to walk down these half-mile rows, and you pull these tassels out and throw them on the ground. And you just pull, throw, Pull, throw half mile down, half mile back, and it's 95 degrees in Iowa at the end of July, and it's 100% humidity, and the corn is tall, 
and it's got like these little sharp edges on it. So like you have to wear lots of clothes so you don't get the little tiny little cuts all over your arms. But it's 95 and 100% humidity and the sun is baking you. But before the sun comes up, you start really early because it's going to be so hot. And so it's all like wet with dew and you're walking through this corn like maze literally and you're getting all soaked with with, with the, the wet dew on your long clothes, long sleeves on your clothes, and, and then the sun comes out and it bakes you, and you close your eyes at night, and all you can see is corn, literally. You know, it's just corn for, for miles, and you can't hardly un, un, untangle your, your hands because you've been doing this, like, all day long. And, man, like, when I heard about this gig at, at you know, 15 or whatever, it's like 7 bucks an hour at the time. That was a lot of money for me. And I didn't know what the heck I was getting into. And after a day, you're just like, this, forget this. Like, there's no way. I mean, those are two situations in my life. Can you think of something like that for your life? Where, like, you didn't really know what you're getting into until you got into it. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do with this guy who approaches him in verse 19. He's like, do you know what you're getting into? I want you to know what you're getting into. See, maybe this guy saw... The, the miracles that Jesus just did previously in chapter 8, right? And, man, that's cool. I, w- I want to hang out with the power of God. I want to be around a guy that can heal people. That's amazing. But Jesus wants them to know. Jesus tells them the truth. Look at, look at verse 19 and 20. And he says essentially this. Here's my translation. Jesus says to the guy, are you okay being homeless? How does homeless sound to you? Like foxes and birds have more stability in terms of housing than I do. How, how, how is that for you? Like my authority might wow you, but my living conditions won't. That's what he says to the guy. He wants to be very clear that the pathway of following Jesus is not always the pathway of comfort. Especially in the short term. So, how would you have responded? Let's think about that. See, we don't have a record of how he responded. But I think it's important for us to, to reflect on what motivates someone to say yes when you're confronted with hardship, but even in the face of that hardship, we still say yes to that opportunity. Why, why does that happen? A lot of us can relate to this, right? See, what we do is first we consider the sufferings, Okay, thinking about that. And then we consider the reward for the suffering. And then we wager that the reward is going to outweigh the suffering. Like this is the claim of the Bible, that the reward is worth the suffering. Read Romans 8, 18. The suffering that we experience now is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Romans 8, 18. This is the claim of the Bible. But we do this all the time in our modern lives, right? Think about situations in your life where the reward was worth the suffering. 
when you were willing to endure hardship because you knew that the reward would be so sweet. Can you think of situations like that? Have you had to pass through those times? Like, there's a real obvious one. Ladies, have you had a child? Right? I don't have a lot of firsthand experience, right? But I've heard that there's some suffering involved with having some kids, right? And for other, you know, there's a spectrum there. For some, it's really, really hard. For some, it's not quite as hard. But you put that child in your arms post-delivery, and it takes about a millisecond to go, yeah, the suffering was worth it, right? The suffering was worth it. I mean, think about this with exercise. Like, I don't particularly enjoy exercise. Three or four times a week, my wife and I do some workouts. It's uncomfortable, you know? But I'm at the stage of my life when there's some chronic pain involved with my body if I'm not exercising. So, like, I can't pick up heavy things and not get a backache if I'm not exercising, and so the reward is worth the suffering. The reward of not having chronic aches and pains all the time is worth it. So we're sweating it out three or four times a week in our little workout room at home, right? We, we, we contemplated it. Yep, it's worth it. We're going to pass through the suffering because it's worth it. Like another, another example that's just real simple, but like being wise with your money, meaning not saying yes to every financial impulse that leads to instant gratification. Like, that's a form of suffering. That's a, that's a, that's a form of saying no to the flesh. That's a, that's a form of, of restraint that at times feels like suffering. But you know that if I'm wise with my money, don't say yes to every single thing that I want to buy, every single financial impulse, that 30 years from now, the reward might be worth it. Because you saved, and you can actually retire and have it not be super stressful. Like, in my mind, it's wise to to say no for the sake of something better, because I believe that reward is better. So I just don't want to waste all my money right now, right? But that, that feels in the short term like a form of suffering. But look at how much more is this with our relationship with the Lord. And look at what he says in Hebrews 11.6. says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, check it out, must, number one, believe that he exists. And here it is, number two, that he, and that he rewards those who seek him. Like, God wants you to reflect on the reward. He is the reward. He commands it here. Like, he says, do you believe that I'll reward you if you come to me? Will you, do you believe that I'll reward you if you believe in me? Do you believe that I'm a good father who's not out to get you? I hope that was the guy's response in verse 20. Like, Jesus, being homeless is worth it if I get to be with you because you are the reward. It's like he was, he was um, enacting Hebrews 11.6 before the author of Hebrews wrote it down. I hope that's what he said. You're worth it. 
the reward is worth the suffering. So put yourselves in the text. Like, think about it. Put yourselves in the text. Jesus. Being with Jesus. It means moving around a lot. Being unstable in terms of having a a place to call home. You know how nice it is, like, when you've been on a trip and it's like, oh, I'm finally home. And there's that sense of, like, this is home. That represents so much stability and comfort for us. And Jesus is just saying, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like that with me. Like, how do we do, how do we do with that? It's going to be uncomfortable. Are you still game? Are you still in? Are you, is it worth it? Jesus, is he worth it? Let's keep reading verse 21. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. This sounds kind of harsh, right? That's how I always read this, how Jesus responds here. I think it's important for us to, you have to do a little bit of research into Greek words. And so this Greek word for bury could have a range of meanings, okay? And it helps us understand what might be going on here better. So in, a, in an ancient Jewish context, they didn't have modern technology to maintain a body after it, after someone died. So, like, we have technology that enables us to keep a body intact with no real problems until you can schedule the funeral, until all the family can show up, right? They didn't have that ability 2,000 years ago. And so, typically, if someone were to die you would deal with those arrangements right then. Like, so in the immediate, you know, three, four hours after they actually died, they would be placed in the ground or put in a tomb, okay? So it was right away. All those arrangements would have had been done rather quickly. So if this guy's dad, verse 21, this guy, if his dad just died, he wouldn't be standing there talking to Jesus. He would have been with the family making arrangements. But one of the ways that this word bury could be interpreted in the original Greek, is something like this. Like, I want to wait until my father has passed and bury him, and then I'll come follow you. Like, what he's saying is, Jesus, just, I don't know how long till my dad's going to die, but it might be, you know, a few years, and then, then I'll be game to, to hang out with you and be your disciple. And Jesus just says to him, the time is now. The time is now. You might not get another chance. The time is now. Jesus' claim is that he has ultimate importance, even more importance than maybe a a, a sacred and and a precious family ceremony. Now, Jesus is, is just saying to the guy, not that you should be disrespectful to your family, but rather if you're unwilling to place me in the seat of unmost importance, you just can't come. This guy was just kind of going halfway. He's got one foot in, one foot out. And Jesus is saying, if you got one foot in, one foot out, you're never going to make it. I was thinking about this with, you know, I love to watch Netflix documentaries about elite special forces, like Navy SEALs, Army Rangers. And you see what these guys go through. For Navy SEALs, it's called Hell Week, where literally they're put through hell. You know, they're pushed to the limit of what the physical body can handle. 
just to weed out the guys that can't do it. Because oftentimes in a military real life scenario, you will be pushed to the limit. And so you watch these guys and what they go through to, to be an army ranger or to be a Navy SEAL. And you see this and you're like, clearly, when you've done 10,000 push-ups and they drowned you and resuscitate you and you've been up for three days in a row, like you can't just be kind of one foot in, one foot out. You've got to be all the way in or you'll never make it. The guys that are one foot in, one foot out, they quit. And it happens all the time. And that's just kind of what Jesus is trying to get across to this guy. You got to be 100% in. So let's just ask ourselves, where do, where do we find ourselves? I think both of these guys can maybe expose something in our hearts that might need to be exposed. We don't know what they said, but what would you have said? One of these guys is way too eager. He doesn't know what he's getting into. And the other guy, he's not eager enough. So I would imagine that for many of us in the room, there, there, there are these, these different men. Just It's good for us to reflect on this from their vantage point. Like maybe some of you in the room have maybe only been a Christian for a short time. Or maybe you're not a Christian yet and you're, and you're thinking about it. Like, you should know what you're signing up for. And I would encourage us not to think about what we sign up for by necessarily what we see in the church. The church may or may not, depending on this church or any other church, be an, an effective reflection of what, sadly, the church isn't always an effective reflection of what Jesus truly calls his people to. At times it is. At times it isn't. The church is going to let you down. So what I would say is, Read the Gospels. Just read what Jesus experiences with people, where he takes his disciples. What do they go through when they walk with him? If you're willing to listen to Jesus and go where he takes you, the question is going to come up, like, can I endure persecution? Can I give some things up? Can I deal with not living in a perfect comfort zone? Are we willing to follow Jesus into uncomfortable scenarios and places? Oftentimes, it's, it's just this, that, that there's one kind of holdout idol in my life. Like, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, but just don't touch this area of my life. And Jesus says, we're going to have to talk about that area of your life. We're going to have to zero in on it. It it can't be 99%. It's got to be 100. Like, are you willing to give that last 1% to Jesus? What is that area for you? See, if you follow Jesus, it's, it's, and if you read what the Bible says, it's just not a matter of if you will pass through hard things. Maybe it'll be homelessness. Maybe it'll be something else. Probably something else for most of us in this room. But it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Like, I've been a Christian long enough to get my teeth kicked in a few times. And that's very disorienting. And it will make you question your faith. It will make you question, is this worth it? I didn't expect this one to come. 
Lord, why is this happening? The psalmist at that point becomes your language. Like, Lord, how long, how long, how long, O Lord? Yet I will praise you. You lose friends, you can lose money, you can lose stability, you can lose your health. Jesus just calls us to know what we're getting into. And his claim is he is worth it. And if a guy has risen from the dead, I want to go with that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like if a guy says he's worth it, and then he tells you that he's going to rise from the dead, and then he does, like we want to be with that guy. That's the heartbeat of Christianity. That's why we know it's worth it. My money's on the guy who's risen from the dead. But Jesus also calls us to make him the primary relationship in our life. And the time to do that is now. The time to do that is now. You might not get another chance. The time is now. That's what Jesus is saying to the guy in verse 22. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. That's not how this works. If you think you can follow Jesus like that, it's just an illusion, right? A lot of us just want to kind of straddle the fence. Like, I, I, I'll follow you, Jesus, but I'm just not going to go with you this way. I'm going to try to have Jesus plus whatever. Jesus plus this thing that I really cherish. And, and there will come a time in your life when you're pressed. And that thing will get pressed on. Like we just talked about a second ago. And if you're on the fence and the heat is on, you won't go with Jesus. It'll be too stressful. It'll be too hard. So this morning is just a, just a kind of a wake-up call, I think, for a lot of us. It's good for us to just ask these questions. Like, what would I do if I were in this scenario? And here's the deal. I, I don't want to heap up pressure. A lot of times for me, if I was sitting in, if I was listening to this sermon, and I am listening to this sermon, like, you feel a lot of pressure because it's like, I don't, I don't know what I would do. Like, I haven't been tested in that way yet. And that's okay. I don't want you walking out of here feeling unnecessarily burdened. But I think it's really important for us to place ourselves in the text and ask ourselves, just ask ourselves, just reflect on it. And maybe the best we can do is this. The guy that came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Like, Lord, I think I want to be with you. I think if I'm tested, I'm going to roll with you. But I, I know I haven't been tested that bad. So, Lord, when I get in that spot, I, I know that you say that you will provide. Help me trust that. Maybe that's the best we could do today. But I just want to commend it to us. Right? Have we really counted the cost? And are we willing to make him and his will ultimate? Let's pray. Father, we, we do ask for your help, and we thank you that your word um, is faithful to expose what needs to be exposed. And your word reminds us that you have not left us alone if we feel exposed, and that you're a good father that loves us, and that you receive us when we're lacking. So, Lord, we just ask for your help by the power of the Spirit this morning to say yes to you, to say yes to you, to, to see that you are worth the suffering. 
Lord, if there's those here this morning that are really struggling with that, Lord, would you help them? If there's those that need to count the cost in, in, in more significant ways, Lord, would you help, help them do that? Lord, may you be cherished as ultimate, Lord. Would you help me do that? Would you help us do that? In Jesus' name, amen.